Hi, and welcome to MC Podcast 27. Today in studio, my studio guest is Kyle Vosberg. We'll also be having a call-in guest this afternoon, uh, Clinton Dahl. So glad that you could join us. And Kyle, we're glad that you are finally in the office today. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, that's all we get. We're like, yeah, yeah we're, we're glad you're finally in the office. So um, uh, actually, I, I haven't seen you, but I heard you this morning. Yep. About uh, a little after six, roll up the driveway. Yeah. And... Uh, do you, can you say anything other than yeah? No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, I, I snuck in. <laughs> what is that? What, 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 is I don't know. what is wrong with you today? Uh, there's lack of sleep for the past couple of days, and then I was like, yeah, I'm going to go deer hunt this morning, even though the uh, little guy's been waking up and, and sleeping at, at his, his leisure, so it's been a, kind of a couple of days. I mean, I got up this morning, and I was like, man, I have a half day to hunt or I have a half day to sleep in. Which one do I want to do? But no, yeah, I, uh, I snuck in this morning or snuck in as much as I can before your big dog finds out that somebody. She, she didn't bark at. She didn't bark That's this morning because we became friends this morning. So ah. she almost followed me to, all the way to the deer <laughs> yeah, stand too. Yeah, I got all have... the way up to the top of the to the crest. I turned around, and said, BG, you go back to the house, <laughs> and she just ran back. I mean, she took off heading back towards the house, but. Uh, she, I guess she thought we were playing at yeah. quarter after six because yeah. she just kept running around like I was going to like throw my bow for her to go catch and come back. But yeah, she's, uh, she's yeah, I was right. Bad. I heard you pull up the driveway, but I didn't, I never did hear the dog yeah. throw a fit like it did last time. So yeah. I thought, well, that he must have bought treats yeah. today for the dog. <laughs> yeah. So yep. anyway, good. So, um, so didn't do any good this morning. Nope. Nope. Kind of skunked out on it. Uh, like I said, I, I texted you guys a little bit and everybody was all excited the weather changed a lot the past yeah. day or two and we had a big temperature drop and, and some some movement in the barometer and uh we all thought deer would be on their feet this morning and they were uh it was just me who was not on my feet you were um, asleep you 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 took your time to I'm, sleep in the stand yeah, maybe I'm, i may have fallen asleep in the deer stand this morning for a few minutes but yeah so by the time i had uh i had realized this little this little buck had walked by uh he was looking up at me like well should have been ready see you later and he just Slipped on by today, so we'll, we'll meet again, though. I'm sure we will. Okay. But. All right. Well, I do want you to know that that there was a little bit of sadness and disappointment. Yeah. And um, and just feelings of angst for you this morning. Yeah. As as we uh, um, as we knew what was going on. So. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. I think Kevin was pretty disappointed. I could tell in his text. He was, like, super disappointed. <laughs> yeah. like, it was Like, this deer was, like, six, seven yards from me. Like like I told you, I probably could have taken this, a step off. This would have been your first. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, it was a gimme. That was the part that – that's what hurt the most. Not that I saw him and he got away. The fact that it was, like, I mean, I could have made the worst shot of my life and, and, and still, still, it's yeah, still, still brought him down. Yeah, so. Well, that yeah. happens. Yep. It happens. That's why they call it hunting. Yep. And, and so I, I get it. I get it. We all we all have bad days. It just seems like you have more bad days than the rest they of us. They seem to run in succession, like yeah. together. Yeah. It's like nearly every hunt. So it's okay. Maybe it's just, maybe the Lord's just putting it all together and I maybe I'll just get one of those crazy big booner. And then yeah, and then you guys will be like, Yeah, it was total luck. It was like, total you didn't luck. do anything yeah, didn't to get anything. that. It was, yeah. it was total luck. Yeah, you I didn't deserve hey, that. Yep. Hey, I'd rather I'd rather be lucky than good. Exactly. Yep. Definitely. I'd rather be. Uh, I'd rather be lucky than good. So, um, so just kind of give us a little update on on uh, what's going on with you at work here, and uh, anything new, and and where you're at, and uh, just kind of uh, what what all's happening there. 
Yeah, so we've been back kind of, you know, being off the road here for a couple of weeks. Uh, so for R&D guys, we're just kind of uh, recollecting our thoughts together, uh, getting back into, you know, getting all of our data put together. So for me, uh, you know, I kind of put everything together agronomically that I saw, um, you know, throughout the year and whatnot. We've talked a little bit about those things. Um, but then we're also getting a bunch of, of silage samples in from different cooperators and things like that. And so that is a, a long process. I mean, we talk about plot seed being this big, long process, but silage, in the, in the three years I've been in R&D, silage sampling has grown almost double every single year. Sure. It seems like we're taking more and more on and using more and Are more Are you labs. going to mail my silage samples this, this week? Yes, I will. Okay. Yep. All right. That's all I, that's, hey, that's all I need yeah. to know. I just want to <laughs> make sure that you're not going to be standing there. Yep. You know, looking at it and not being able to do anything. You yeah, know, this seems to be a, oh, this seems okay. to be kind of a little a little habit that you got is oh, you know oh wow I'm standing I'll here I'll just, I'll just let the silage samples walk on by <laughs> you know kind of thing. Okay, yeah. I'm just just making sure I will make sure they're shipped. <laughs> but yeah, shipped, shipped. Yeah, I okay, said, okay, said shipped. okay. Just making sure that we're understanding <laughs> each other. Cool, but. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's quite a process. I mean, you know, and like I said, we talk about plot seed, and that does take up a lot of time, but uh, the silage samples and breaking them down, and we've kind of put together a new uh, a new way of keeping track of them this year that right. makes it a little easier and faster for you to pull the data together once it comes in. So um, that's taking up quite a bit. Um, and then I'm still kind of traveling here and there. We all are, uh, you know, on the road, just not like we are in the midsummer. So Right, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think I'll be on the road this week. And I'm home for a week. And guess where this old boy's going? Yeah, you're finally getting there, Amarillo, Texas. You're fine. You're finally gonna. You're finally gonna be there. Yeah. You guys say three days. I say, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Hey, it, it it'll be okay. I mean, you'll yeah. get there. We'll. I mean, unfortunately, you're not going really with anybody who had. You know, you're gonna go meet some guys out there. Yeah. You're not going with anybody from here. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if it was, if it was you and I, then we may have to worry about whether be, or not it was going to be three days or three be, weeks. There would probably three be, months. there'd probably be two new houses on the market here in the there area could be, if we went there together. There could be. Yep. Mandy, I'd call my wife, Mandy, let's just pack up and, and bring them all down. Yep. So good. So, so we, we, we've been talking a little bit about, um, about the, the silage samples. Silage harvesting is in the Midwest is full swing, probably probably towards the downhill swing of that is what we've seen. Uh, my understanding is kind of in the northeast. We, uh, we're, we're, we're just in the, in the major part of it here and going on. So let's just talk a little bit uh, about, uh, about what, you know, now that we're, now that we're through this or, or, or right at the end of it, just maybe a few things, just a few quick hitter kind of things of, um, of just a, a little bit about silage harvest and um, and and so what what we're looking for at silage harvest. You know what are what are um, what are our goals um, and and how we can help achieve those. Yeah, um, I mean, so now as we see guys kind of uh, wrapping down, you know, they're all kind of falling into to the same. Uh, you know, area of, of plant maturity. Uh, you know, we like to talk about, we, we usually say about 68% is what we like to see uh, whole plant moisture uh, for silage harvest. And I think a lot of guys are kind of rolling into that. Um, some guys up north, you know, there's a, there are, there's a good point. And I, I agree with you, we're on the downhill slope. There's a good portion of the country who's done um, and they've completed. And, you know, I mean, honestly, with some of those, you know, southeastern guys, I mean, they could be feeding some of their, you know, yeah, shop silage exactly. here in the next couple of exactly. weeks. So, um, 
you know, we're kind of now just like looking at those things. And now that we're getting, you know, lab analysis back from silage samples and things like that, you know, we're kind of tying those all together. So I know you've seen a couple of silage samples already. I have, um, I have, I have seen a, a few silage samples. I've seen some, uh, out of California. I've seen some out of, uh, out of Illinois here. Uh, I think I've seen maybe a couple out of Wisconsin and, um, you know, overall thing, things are looking pretty decent. Yeah. I, I haven't noticed anything just way out of, out of whack this year. Um, I, It'll be interesting to see what some of the corn silage out of the Northeast is going to do. Yep. In fact, I got a phone call last week that uh, some of it even got frosted. Really? So we, we had we had a plot up there that got frosted, and, and the guy, uh, uh, Tracy Neff from Kings, who uh, who helps us out, is uh, was calling to say, hey, you know, this got frosted. Do we do we really want to take it? What's the data going to look like? And I, and I said, you know, for research purposes, it's probably not going to be uh, one-to-one. I mean, we'll be able to see things in that plot maybe. But uh, but frosted corn just acts weird. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just it just acts weird. And, in fact, I, I, would, um, I, I would recommend that if a guy thinks it's going to frost and my corn is, is at 70% moisture or maybe even 72, man, I would go ahead and take it before it gets frosted because yep. it just kills the top part of that plant. If you're lucky, it just kills the top part. Yeah. And, um, and you know, you, you get some, some wonky type fermentation out of it yep. and it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem to, to feed as well, uh, for whatever reason. So I told Tracy, I said, let's go ahead and take those samples and, um, and label them frosted so that we know what they are and where they came from. And, uh, we can always just pull those out and look at them separately. So we just have a little bit of data of, yeah. of, uh, of what those kind of things could, uh, can do. Yeah. And I think this year, so I haven't really noticed um, any sort of, I mean, you know, that frosting in a plot, but like in a, in a larger region, I don't think I've noticed anything that's really been kind of a weather uh, pattern or system that could affect quality. So like, like last year in the Northeast, uh, like New York especially had a, a really <laughs> severe drought. Right. Um, but I really haven't noticed that too much this year. And um, a lot of the, the southern rust issues that that affected southeastern and a little bit of the southern midwest uh quality issues last year again didn't really happen so i'm thinking as a whole in the country quality should be should be up so i I think it coming from an agronomy i I, I think i think it'll probably be um if if we could use the term normal you know you know pretty pretty normalized um I, I do think that we'll see some good starch numbers, mm-hmm. the the amount of starch, mm-hmm. um, and I. But I, 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 it'll be interesting to see when all silage samples kind of come back in, what fiber numbers do this year. Um, I and 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 maybe you know, like you said, you know, in the Northeast last year we had droughty conditions, and so um, so that that fiber digestibility is definitely higher. Uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of where everything kind of lays this year, but I, I think we'll I think we'll be pretty much so right right in that normal range is yep. what is what I would uh, what I would assume is probably just from the indicators that I that I've had so far. So, um, so we talk about taking silage. We wanted it you know between sixty eight and sixty five percent moisture, okay, and that and that's and why 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 do we want silage taken there? Uh, well. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that's a good whole plant moisture. Right. Um, you know, you don't want it too dry. You don't want okay. it too wet. I know uh, you've always kind of told me, you know, to, to err on the side of too wet than to, to, to go too dry right. uh, traditionally. So um, and that's just kind of what I've always been taught, you know, is to just try to take it. And, and 
you would think that 3% is is a small number, but there's actually a time frame between there where you have the time to get in and take it most Definitely. of the time. So. Definitely. Yeah, and, and so, I mean, you know, when we're sitting there at 68 to 65% moisture, we're looking at, at the optimum silage quality as far as amount of starch, as far as the fiber quality, the digestibility of the fiber, the digestibility of the starch. We're, we're looking at that kind of being the optimum window there for, for the highest of all of them. Yeah. You know, I can let corn silage get a little drier than that, and my and the amount of starch that I have goes up. Now, that's going to affect the digestibility of the fiber, mm-hmm. and it's going to di- uh, affect the digestibility of the starch if I let things get too dry. If if I get them too wet, I don't have enough starch in there. Yep. You know, my fiber digestibility will be good, my starch digestibility will be good, but I just won't have enough starch there to really produce a lot of good energy. You know, starch being that most energy-dense section uh, of the, uh, uh, or, the, or component or part of, uh, of corn silage. Um, you know, there's more energy in a pound of corn than there is a pound of of leaves and stems and material there. Yep. And, and so, so it's a it's a, there's a tension and a balance that we've got to walk with that, where I've got enough starch, but I want to keep everything digestible. Yep. You know, I could have a lot of starch, but but then again, I'm going to affect the die the digestibility of of those things. Um, and so, you know, so we talk we talk a lot about the quality of these things. Um, you know, as guys are as guys are going through their fields and they're and they're chopping and they're and they're they're measuring you know tons in that from the agronomy side. What are some things that next year maybe guys can do to increase that tonnage? What what are a few things a, a few you know as, as you think about it? Okay, here here are here are three or four um, kind of points that that are going to help increase. Um, silage yield next year. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so from a from a yield standpoint, I mean, we we have genetics that we've traditionally see that that push um, on the tonnage side. Uh, you know, we brought in a new hybrid MCT sixty six fifty three this year, um, and and it feeds really well. But it's always been impressive on tonnage. Um, I mean, we've even had that with some shorter season stuff like uh, forty five seventy two. Um, you know, time and time again, you know, they've been, you know, impressive on the yield side. So sometimes picking those hybrids that that maybe your dealer pushes you towards that he knows have a little bit more top end yield. Um, and then also, uh, you know, being able to kind of add to your nutrient uh, package and whatnot. Um, I know, you know, grain guys always talk about, you know, nitrogen application, and it's it's just as important in silage. Um, right. Timeliness in nitrogen. I mean, and you talk about it a little bit. I think on the fiber side, there's a little bit of... Uh, uh, well, it's it's usually overfeeding, overfeeding uh, nitrogen can um, can actually increase the prolamin protein in grain. So, so it has more to do with the with the with the amount because nitrogen gets taken up into the plant and yep. it and it and it expresses itself as protein, right? And so, so those proteins a lot. A lot so I can, so I can starve a plant of of nitrogen and I can I can make that grain really soft and floury, way reducing yields. Yeah. Okay. And and so so when I when I'm putting that nitrogen on. Corn is a luxury feeder of nitrogen. It'll just keep taking up nitrogen yep. as, as long as it's there. And so I, I want to work that balance out. You're exactly right. I want to have enough nitrogen there to have good yields, but I don't want to overfeed that nitrogen that I may affect some of the quality of that plant. Yep. 
Yeah. So, you know, nitrogen application and using it as a, at a timely rate and, you know, in a timely manner. Um, and then anytime you're building organic matter and things like that, um, you know, using a cover crop, um, which, you know, that's, that's kind of the, there's kind of a luxury and then a, a non-luxury, I guess you could say, in the dairy industry. So uh, one thing I always, like one hurdle I always come into talking to guys is they can't rotate crops. So we deal a lot of times with guys who do corn on corn, but they also oftentimes will plant a winter crop, especially right. if it's something that they can take off in the spring is, you know, like a haylage or um, even sometimes things that they can just, that they have around. I mean, uh, like a, a dairyman's <laughs> barn, a guy who runs a dairy, you know, who plants his own crops, a lot of times it, it can look like, you know, like a, a, a farm store because he yeah. has so many different crops and seeds and things like that, especially depending on how he's mixing his ration. So um, so anything you can do in the winter to keep that ground from being dormant or laying okay. dormant uh, can also help to improve the yields the next year. Using Having active soil uh, over the winter and, and preparing yourself into spring um, it can definitely help. Yeah, definitely. And then like you say, you know, a lot of times we can take those off in the spring and add and add tonnage to that acre. And also, you know, I mean, whenever we get something else there, there there are benefits from from a different root structure, a different type of thing, where where we can kind of eliminate some of those pressures, break down some of that corn residue that's in that's left in that field. Um, you know, and and that way we don't we we don't have quite as many quite as many issues yeah. as, as what we could have had we not. So I think you're exactly right. I think for for a guy to to go in and um, you know especially those dairies that have that have limited acreage where they can't rotate those crops uh, as much as they would like to go in with a crop a, a cover crop uh, and, a, and a forage cover crop uh, there there in the uh, in the fall. Um, in doing that. And so guys probably, you know, can be looking at that uh, if they haven't, if they haven't thought about that already as they've, as they've pulled their, uh, their um, silage off. So um, we got a, we got Clinton Dahl going to be calling in here and uh, we're going to be talking to him. Clinton Dahl is a custom harvester uh, out of central Illinois. And so we're going to give him a call and, uh, and bring him into this conversation and get some points of view from Clinton. All right, on the uh, on the line now we have uh, Clinton Dahl from uh, Central uh, Illinois, and Clinton, we appreciate you calling in and kind of kind of giving us a a little bit of a sneak peek of the things that you've been seeing out uh, um, out on the farm. Tell us a little bit about your your uh, your operation, and then and then also about your your farm your uh, your family dairy. Well, my name's Clinton Dahl, I'm the uh, owner of Highline Ag. We do. Uh, Custom bagging, sub plastic, uh, and those sorts of things. The custom harvesting in the fall. Um, we're also in uh, Dahl Dairy. Been a family dairy farm since uh, 1928. Um, about, uh, about it. What do you got, Mark? Yeah, I'm here. Uh, so we've been uh, custom harvesting this fall. Did a lot of bagging, a lot of salad shopping, things like that. Uh, what do you want? Do you want to know? Well, I just, you know, I just kind of, kind of want to get your, uh, get your take on, on what you've seen out of silage this year. How, how have the silage yields been, uh, where, where you've been harvested? Well, we were kind of in, uh, um, changeover area, um, about five miles north of us. We've seen guys with, you know, 25, 30 ton an acre corn silage with 250 bushel corn and five miles south of us. We've seen guys that had four and five foot tall corn with no ears. And uh, right where we were, we were right in the transition zone. Um, so we've seen both extremes this year and it's been kind of a hit and miss year all over the place as far as silage. Um, 
far as quality goes, everybody's had some uh, very digestible silage. Uh, doesn't mean there's a lot of starch in it this year, but there's definitely a lot of a lot of good fiber digestibility in the silage from the tests I've been seeing. Well, good. Well, good. And so, so how how wide of an area, Clinton, do you cover as far as with your with your custom uh, with your custom harvesting? Is it just a few counties, or or is it larger than that? Um, we sell uh, plastic all the way into Indiana, Missouri, Kentucky, and all the way up to Springfield, Illinois. Okay. Uh, the custom size bagging and chopping, we're going all the way to Springfield, Illinois, all the way down to the tip of, uh, southern tip of Illinois, down in um, uh, Gore Hill and things like that. Okay. So we, we get kind of all over the place. We even made it to uh, southern Missouri this year with bagging. Oh, wow. So so when you're when you're bagging, you're also chopping that? Uh, some of it, um, I'd say 70% of it's just us doing the custom bagging. Uh, another 30%, we work with uh, custom harvesters. Uh, in the area, we set it up to if we're going to do all the chopping, hauling, bagging, or if we're going to do uh, some of each, kind of split it up. Each scenario is a little bit different. It depends what the what the farmer wants. Um, a lot of guys in the past years were going all 100% trucks and choppers with the uh, dump table baggers and truck dump baggers. Um, and now we're starting to see farmers coming back to side unload and buying new wagons and things like that. Seems like uh, they're trying to save some money and and put some of that back in their own pocket yeah that, that kind of makes sense clinton give us a little bit of a of a feel and, and an understanding of why why would a farmer why would a farmer go to bags what's the benefit he gets out of a bag over over a silo or a or a bunker um you know or a drive over pile what, what's he getting what's he getting as a benefit from those bags Oh, what we see for the, for the guys in our, in, that we that we service uh, for the size they are, and for the area and the climate we're in, uh, they like the bags because ten minutes from the time that that load of corn silage has been chopped, it's been uh, packed, compressed, and it's in an airtight uh, uh, system. It's in, in you know in the bag. Um, a lot of guys don't want to invest in giant con- a big concrete pad, and they uh, they don't like the uh, the shrink they get or the spoilage that they get with the uh, the piles. Um, guys are leaning more towards bags and more away from silos uh, just because the initial investment of a silo seems to be 100000 or more. Um, and then after you have that, you've got no flexibility except to go back to bags. So uh, we've got guys, a lot of guys going to bags, and it and, uh, seems like everybody that's ever built a bunker or a silo has always come back to uh, bagging as well. Yeah. That- um, it's just the speed, speed and ease, and uh, and it's less labor. Uh, when you got the bagger running, you pull up alongside, you unload it. You don't have to worry about it if it got packed correctly, uh, if somebody graded it correctly, or none of those things. It's once it's in the bag, it's pretty much been taken care of. That makes sense. That makes sense. What um, as far as as far as bagging, um, you know, can you uh, can you take silage that's too wet? too dry is there is there a benefit for in in the bag if if you've got some silage that's that's either too wet or too dry is there some benefit there yeah um so depending on how the rations work and and this is coming off our farm and a few guys that we've been doing business with for many years um we'll come in in the beginning of the year uh beginning of the season and we'll chop one bag wet uh we're talking maybe 71 moisture or so okay 
Uh, and we'll take that one, and then we'll come back a couple weeks later, two weeks later maybe, and when that solid is in that 65 to 67 range, yep. and we'll commence the chopping, and right at the end of the season, we'll chop uh, a whole bag that's dry. It's about 60 moisture, just so we have a balancing act because we're switching from new corn solids, you know, old corn solids, uh, wet, dry. You never know what you're going to see throughout the season. Um, it's kind of a balancing act that, and guys that have bunkers have to chop it wetter so they can get it compacted. Right. And then, uh, guys that you're going to put in baggers, you kind of need it in the middle and same with silos. You can't put it up too wet in those two, um, or you'll see have issues. So uh, you can do a lot more with a bagger than you can versus piles or silos. Okay. It is so did I understand you right? There is a, there is a threshold there where it could be too wet for a bag. Yeah, yeah, it could be too wet. I mean, once you start getting, once you hit that 70, 71 moisture, um, that's about as wet as you want to put it into a bag. Um, I mean, it's you have great starch digestibility of that moisture, and uh, it works really well for putting in a bunker at that moisture. Right. But uh, for that moisture for a bag, it's just, it's it's too much. And, you know, you don't want your bags, to, the leachate come out of your bags and you know, those kinds of things. Okay. Um, so the threshold we like to see is between, I'd say 63 to 68 and 69 moisture going into a bag. That seems like that works really well. You have no leakage from the bag. You got good, really good fermentation. You got enough moisture in there so you can feed, you know, your dry stuffs, your dry, you know, dry grains, your haze, things like that. It makes it work for the ration. Yeah, I could, I could see how in a, in a bag that something, you know, at 63 or 62% moisture would definitely be, uh, be better fermented than something at that moisture that's in a bunk or something that, that you would have to drive over and drive over and you can get a more complete, better fermentation out of that. That, that does make a lot of sense. Um, so Clint, tell us a little bit about your, you know, you told us somewhat about your family, uh, dairy where, you know, and about how you all kind of manage those bags. How many cows are y'all milking on your family dairy? Um, right now I just looked today I think we were milking 357 and by the end of the year, we're looking to be milking over 400 with all the calvings. Um, we've been milking here, like I said, since 1928. Uh, dad's the, uh, he's the main guy here at the farm. He's kind of the, you know, he's the manager. Uh, I guess I'm the manager underneath him. And then I also run the Highline Ag side, the custom bagging, harvesting, and plastic and seed sales. Okay. Um, uh, we also have, uh, Two herdsmen here. We got one herdsman that's actually retiring this year after being here for 17 years, and then wow. another guy's taking over for him. So uh, we've been blessed with employees uh, to have them, you know good employees for a long, long time. Um, and uh, I don't want, you know anything else you want to know about the farm or? Well, yeah. So so this the employee thing kind of sparked my interest there. What what do you think has been the key to keep? Because I, I think that if you look at the dairy industry overall. Having having an the employee turnover is is really is really pretty um, it's really pretty fast and and can be you know detrimental in, in some ways. What 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 for you? What was the key for keeping your herdsmen there for seventeen years? Um, well, when whenever we hired him, we had a, a certain um, certain rules that we wanted him to abide by, but then we also wanted him to implement his own rules and his own ideas into the workplace so give to be able to give him uh ownership so you know he looks back at his herd and we've had talks you know all year long because he is going to retire in december that he feels like he's part of the operation he's part of our our herd 
and he's a, he's a huge part of our success on our dairy farm. And uh, a lot of the guys look up to him here. I look up to him. He, you know, he's been here for 17 years, so he's been here for, you know, as long as I've been here with the farm and helping my dad. Um, and he's just been a really integral part. And in was we didn't think we were going to be able to find somebody to fill his shoes, but uh, luckily we we have found a guy, and he's been here for about a year and a half, uh, catching up with him and and with the other milkers and employees that are here too. Um, I think all the other guys have been here between seven and eight years. Wow. And we don't really wow. we don't have a lot of employee turnover. It's okay. just uh, we give them some, you know, make them feel like they're part of the group and they get everybody has input and nobody, you know, nobody gets stepped on or pushed over. Everybody everybody has a foot to stand on around here. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, Clinton, I'm just gonna um, I'm gonna let it end with that because that was just such a that was just such a, a great way to end it. You know, y- your your business is successful, your farm is successful, you you're you know, the way that you manage people there, it just sounds wonderful. So, Clinton, appreciate you calling in. Appreciate you giving us your perspective there. Um, any any last word? I'll give you the last word. Any last word you want to add? Um, hopefully we're going into a, a good sales season this fall, and hopefully the harvest season's going to go well for everyone with grain, and hopefully the solid season's over because I'm – Ready for the baggers in the shed. There you go. There you go. Sounds good, Clint. <laughs> hey, appreciate you, bud. You take care of yourself, yeah. all right? Yep, yeah, thanks, Mark. All right, take care. With Clinton, man, what a what a great um I'm I guess I'll use that kind of that kind of Baptist Christian term, church term. What a great testimony, right? Yeah. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? I mean just what what a what a what a great view on on his family dairy. Good information about about bags, but just uh, you know, a guy whose family dairy, they've had this they, they've had the herdsman there for seventeen years. Um, their milkers have been there seven or eight years, giving them, you know, giving them ownership of the farm, making them feel part of a team. Um, man, I, I just, I, that, that really resonates with me and, um, I think it will a lot of people. So just kind of wrap it up. I gave Clinton the last, do- the last, uh, word before he, uh, before he hung up in any last words about anything that we've been talking about here. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully everybody kind of, you know, rolls through the end of silage harvest. As he said, you know, a, a lot of grain guys are moving. Um, I know right across from where your where your farm is, they were, uh, they're starting to take corn out. So, yeah. you know, I just, you know, we just hope and everybody here at Master's Choice just hopes that everybody has the blessings of a good, uh, of a good harvest this year and whatnot. Um, and, and we're just hoping that we move forward into the fall and winter, uh, you know, in a, at a good time. And, and Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks, Kyle, for joining us today. Appreciate you guys out there listening. Appreciate you listening in, commenting, uh, giving us some feedback. Uh, you can uh, remember that we are social. You can always find us on uh, Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on YouTube. And uh, by the way, just a little plug there, we, uh, we, we increased subscribers substantially over the last over the last couple of weeks um, to our YouTube channel. And so uh, just kind of a shout-out, congratulations to our marketing team there. What a great bunch of guys and putting out just some quality stuff. You can find us on YouTube, but also you can always get us at seedcorn.com.